Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, Christ Point. It's good to see you. How's everyone doing? It's disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, my name is James. I'm the pastor at Christ Point. It's my joy and privilege to be with you this morning. If you are new to Christ Point, or even if you've been here for a little while, I want to encourage you to take out this card that hopefully was on your seat uh, this morning. Uh, you can fill out this card and place it in the offering box on your way out. Uh, or if you want to scan the QR code, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, let us know that you were here this morning. This is the best way to uh, tell us that you are interested in taking a next step uh, here at Christ Point, and so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, we have a baptism class coming up in August. August 15th uh, is our class. We're going to have baptisms on the 22nd. Uh, you can sign up for that by using this little card. Uh, or if you're interested in being a part of a small group in the fall, uh, we are relaunching our small groups uh, this fall, uh, early September. And so if you'd like to be a part of uh, one of those, also fill out this card uh, and place it in the uh, box on your way out. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things taking place here at Christ Point. Uh, next Friday night is our movie night. Kids, are you excited about movie night? Yes. Uh, invite your friends, your family, uh, neighbors, and strangers to movie night at Christ Point uh, next Friday. It begins at 7.30. There's going to be ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream? Kids, we love ice cream. Uh, well, I do. Uh, I'm going to eat some of it. Uh, there's also going to be some games for us at 7.30. Then the movie will start at 8.30. It's going to be outside here at the barn, so make sure you bring a lawn chair uh, to sit on. I uh, can't wait to see you there. And then our students, our high school students, are going to be uh, getting together on Saturday, heading to the lake. Uh, they are launching actually next Sunday night for the first time, Sunday evening. Uh, and so they have a great opportunity to spend some time together on Saturday uh, and then get ready for uh, their first meeting on Sunday, which I know they are pumped about. So they're looking forward to it. Um, also want to remind you that next Sunday is an opportunity for you to bring food for Mission City Church. Uh, on the first Sunday of each month, uh, we always gather groceries, uh, food supplies uh, for the food pantry at Mission City Church. They help under-resourced families in the Charlotte area. Uh, they've been doing it for about a year, and it's been our great joy and privilege um, to be a part of what they're doing. So I want to encourage you to bring uh, those groceries uh, next uh, Sunday morning. Uh, any comments, questions, concerns about the announcements? Great, because it would be awkward if you did. Um, uh, I want to dismiss our children to CP Kids. Uh, see you, kids. Have fun. Peace out. Yay. Uh, many of you know that uh, this last week, uh, Billy Gwaltney, Tom Kipp, uh, and myself had an opportunity to travel to Honduras uh, to minister. And so this morning, uh, we want to do something a little unique. We want to share with you about our time in Honduras. And so uh, I want to invite Billy and Tom, uh, if they would, to come up. We're going to have a seat because we're all very tired. Uh, and standing would be difficult. Welcome, gentlemen. You can just walk. There you go. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, last. Oh, yeah. All right, last, um, I, I'm losing track of my days. Tuesday, 
last Tuesday, we had an opportunity to fly to Honduras, to San Pedro Sula, uh, to minister for uh, the week with a gentleman by the name of Melvin. Melvin has become a dear friend of ours over the years. Uh, it's been neat to see how God has used Melvin in uh, that community, both at the Life Center, uh, but also through other various uh, in, uh, in Honduras. Oh, there I am. Uh, other ministries in Honduras. And so we had an opportunity to, uh, to come, and on Wednesday, uh, we went and we met with a couple local pastors, and uh, we just wanted to simply hear their stories and pray for them. And so we met with two uh, pastors in particular. Uh, the first pastor we met with was Noe uh, and his wife in a community in Honduras. And Billy, I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, but could you share just a, a couple thoughts or reflections about uh, Noe and, and his family? Um, yes, thank you. Um, I was, I was going to talk about them. I have a couple of notes, so forgive me if I look like I'm reading them because I, I, there's some things I don't want to forget. Um, Noe and his wife um, live in a village called the Forgotten. Um, like literally, it mean, in English, it means the Forgotten. They uh, have, are ministering at a church there. Um, they have, um, uh, and it, we met in their home, and they have a joy about them that was contagious, uh, particularly Kaylee, the, the wife. Is, that, is it Kaylee? Yeah. yeah that's, yes. I mean, which sounds really American, but she's not American. Um, and uh, there was a laughter and a, just a, a happiness. They were so happy to have us there, which I'm still... Um, you know, it's just humbling when you show up and 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 people are excited to see you. Um, they uh, they have three daughters, and their house does not have a door, a front door. Uh, okay, yeah. So there's a picture there. Uh, that that's not a door. That's um, it's open, and so. They go to bed and they and and their house is open in a village called the Forgotten. Now I'm a dad of a daughter and a dad of a son, and that would that would I don't we wouldn't do that in Harrisburg. So um, I'm you know in a third world country, you know that is probably a little more. And so um, we we got them a door. We're getting them a door. Uh, that in that that's a good thing the church is getting them a door because it's doable to do that and and the pastor needs to have a door and so i was um struck by um just how they laughed out loud when they when we asked them what we what we could pray for them for uh and what were their most important needs and and they were mentioning the door and they were laughing when they were talking about it they were just chuckling and and it was just a an amazing thing that as you get to know these pastors and talk to them, how they have a love for the church, they have a love for their family, um, and and they have significant needs. But there's a joy there that uh, I'm not sure that I find everywhere in America where there are plenty of doors. And so um, it's just proof to me that the gospel, change, God is changing people. God changes hearts. Uh, whether you're here or there, uh, when he invades your heart and, and you let him invade your heart, that, um, that joy and peace can be there. And it was, it was just a real, I was, I'm sure I was more blessed by that experience than they probably were. So 
That's yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. They have a, a, a cute little daughter, uh, their youngest, I believe, is Samantha. We have a picture of, of her. This is a, a picture of her when we, we came. Clearly, she was very excited to have us there. This is a picture of her when we left. We left. Yeah, she was, she was not happy. No, we, they, they were, yeah, they were it's, it's weird. I guess brothers and sisters fight in other places around the world. And so while we were talking to the parents, the kids were in the room, and all of a sudden you hear this, you know, kind of loud commotion. <laughs> and she came out, and uh, she was not too happy. But they were a great family. Uh, right after that, we met with a gentleman in another community. His name was... Uh, no. Uh, right after that, we, we met... Yes, you can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give just, you an opportunity. I just, just wanted to add uh, with Noe. So the one thing I remember about him was his red towel that he had the whole time. And when we arrived to his house, he was just a sweaty... Uh, not a mess, but he was sweating, and he kept wiping his head, and he's using it like a very skillful person to swat flies and things like that. Um, but as I listened to his story, I realized how hard this guy worked. Um, he you know, would talk about the, his ministry throughout the week, and I, I just could not believe how much was on his plate. And so, yeah, I did sense the joy that he had, like you, but I also sensed that he was just tired. Um, so being there in support of them, um, you know, made me realize this is this is this is good good stuff. And then uh, he's also in a position to perhaps look at uh, greater responsibility within the denomination that he's in, and he's weighing a potential shift. Um, but just a hard-working man. But God really blessed their family too. Um, they they live on top of this. I don't know if you'd call it a mountain or not, um, about 3,500 feet or so. But the background was like one of the most beautiful scenes you'd ever see. Uh, lush uh, trees, grass, mountains in the distance, clouds, birds. You know, and, and I said to him, I said, this is, this, is, <laughs> this is so beautiful, and you get to wake up every single day to this. I don't know if that meant anything to him or not, but God... Uh, you know, God has his blessings too. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, definitely hard workers there. Uh, Tom, share a little bit about the next pastor that we met, uh, Javier, because I thought his story was, uh, was fascinating as well. We went to his, his church and, uh, and had an opportunity to, to pray for him. And um, why don't you share with our people, Tom, if you remember maybe a, a thing or two that stuck yeah. out. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that I do know about uh, this man, Javier, is he is called to the mission field in uh, Vietnam. And, you know, we don't hear too many people going to Vietnam. It'll be a, um, a lengthy road for him to get into the country. Uh, he'll spend some time in Spain, and then I think he goes to, um, where's the next stop? He'll spend some time in Thailand, uh, but building momentum and steam to eventually get into, kind of weave his way into Vietnam. And he's going to use soccer to do it, sports and so forth. But uh, just a clear calling on his life. Uh, you know, there's so many needs within his own country, but uh, and needs that he and his family have personally, but yet he is pushing forward uh, with seemingly every ounce of energy and resources he has to get to Vietnam. And it reminded me that there are people all around the world. It's not just Christ Point. Um, it's not just in America that we are making efforts to further 
the kingdom of God around the world, but here this man I've never met before, humble circumstances, every ounce of his being is, is going into a calling that he has to reach these people who I'm told uh, like 1% of the country are Christians. So, you know, the worldwide effort to take the gospel forward was one of the things that stood out for me. Yeah, that was certainly beautiful to see. Uh, later that evening, we were able to go to the Life Center. Uh, we've had a relationship with, uh, with CIN, a great organization, for a number of, of years now, and uh, we were able to, uh, to briefly visit visit them. And, you know, Tom, this was your first experience going to the Life Center. I know a handful of our people have been able to go, but I'm always interested to hear about kind of people's first initial uh, reaction to that experience. And so I thought, Tom, you could maybe share some initial thoughts as, as we visited the Life Center. Yeah, um, the initial, first initial thought was um, it is really a, um, it's a wonderful facility. It's protected, seem, seems to be protected. I know that we've been there before as a church to help build uh, a wall, a boundary there. Um, but the, the facilities are, are well-maintained. Uh, they're clean, they're happy, they're colorful, safe uh, environment for these children. Um, so that was the first thing, you know, the grounds, everything is kept up nice. And, but the main thing was the level of joy. Each one of these children that you're looking at, they, they come up, like fly up to you and wrap their arms around you and hug you. One by one, they come up to you. And then the house uh, parents, same thing. Uh, some of the other staff members, same thing, coming up and hugging people they've never met before. Uh, so proud uh, to show off uh, these kids in their home. Uh, but I'm told that each one of these kids has um, has experienced a horrendous um, circumstances and forms of abuse, and to see the the happiness you know that they have in their hearts. Um, being able to carry on joyful conversations with you, you know, the maturity uh, that these kids have. And uh, it was just, you know, it stood out. Le the level of happiness and joy within this home. So, you know, good work is being done. Yeah, that's, that's neat. Uh, the next day on Thursday, uh, we were able to uh, meet with about 20 young leaders uh, for a full-day conference. Uh, we started meeting at 8, 8.30. I think we finished up probably around 4. Uh, the, the first group that we went, met with on Thursday were uh, men and women, uh, 19. I think the, the oldest person there might have been 29. Uh, the vast majority, I didn't crunch the numbers, but the vast majority of folks were, were probably early 20s. And so these are uh, young leaders in, in the country uh, that, you know, we had a great privilege to, uh, to you know, to pour into them. On, on that Thursday, uh, Billy, any any you know thoughts or takeaways from that from that time on Thursday with those young leaders? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I, it was I was sharing with John earlier. There, there's a hunger for uh, knowledge and for better ways to do things, um, and I was just humbled by their interest in what we had to say. I mean, I, I'm. Um, 
you know, we're we're careful to to make sure they know that we we are not the gospel. We are not. I mean, we're we're just co-laborers um, doing what we do, doing what God called us to do. We have some ideas. We have some experiences. So here are those ideas and experiences. And uh, there's uh, they just took notes like 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 a lot and. Uh, we shared some ideas on entrepreneurship or bivocational ministry. We shared some things on the pastor's heart. Uh, what is it, you know, that 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 Jesus is much more interested in our heart than he is our our service. Um, that he doesn't need us; he chooses us. And and um, those kinds of messages resonate. And then we talked about some effective ways to to build teams and think about those kind of ideas. And it was just really um, exciting. It was, there was uh, significant attention, more so than I'm guessing if some 20-somethings in America might have gotten together. It just seemed like their attention span was dialed in. Uh, we had a time of prayer, um, and I made the mistake of asking, because we got in groups and talked about praying, and they were praying individually with each other, people they've never met. And I asked them, I said, how many of to you was that uncomfortable? I was expecting them to think it was a little bit weird, and they didn't. These are praying people. They pray. Um, and and it, was, it was just uh, awesome to see at such a young age that, that um, God is moving in people's hearts in, in Honduras to, and all over the world. Um, but in this particular case where we were in Honduras to... Uh, to learn and to grow and to develop, um, and it was just really encouraging. Again, I, I I felt like I left everything going. I think I'm more blessed in this in, in this experience than they may have been. I don't know. I trust God to handle all that, um, but it was just really encouraging to my heart to to be a part of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word. The, the next day we met with a little smaller group of pastors, maybe about 15 pastors uh, from uh, various uh, communities. Uh, talked about some of the same things. Tom shared about our identity in Christ, and Billy talked about bivocational ministry, and we, we discussed a little bit about uh, the importance of building teams uh, in the church. And then uh, on Thursday night and Friday night, we had an opportunity to go uh, to a couple lo- local church bodies. And um, I don't know about you, but that was, that was such a sweet time to be able to, to have that experience. And so maybe Tom and Billy share you know, just a couple of initial thoughts about uh, visiting churches in, in Honduras. Yeah, so um, we visited two churches, and it was pretty, pretty outstanding. Um, and just to be there and to see the level of worship and joy and passion, uh, genuine love for God, um, you know, people in unity. The word unity came up with, with Dan this morning. But the first church that we went to, um, there was a woman who stood up and began to lead worship, and she read... Uh, I think all of chapter 22 of Revelation and maybe some addition, I mean, it went on for a long time. But she, she belted out this reading uh, in a spirit of worship, spirit of prayer that went on and on and on. Halfway through that reading, uh, it began to pour down rain, like Old Testament-style <laughs> rainstorm. You know, raindrops the size of golf balls were landing on this tin roof. It was so loud, uh, and just the level of worship went up. 
uh, a little bit, and uh, the people, I opened my eyes and I looked around, and everybody's just worshiping, eyes closed, hands up, like the rain didn't matter. But I was, I was certain, and, and this, at this point, she's praying now for another 10 minutes, praying with the same fervent uh, you know, style. And I was absolutely certain that one of two things was going to happen. Either the, the roof was going to cave in from the rain, beating on it and pounding on it, or it was literally going to blow off the building from her prayer. Uh, it, was, it was truly awesome to see uh, the, the power of worship among the people. Um, that's what stands out to me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Billy, any thoughts? Uh, yes, I, I told Tom, I said, it, it, I know we get thunderstorms. We get thunder, summer thunderstorms here. But Honduras gets some serious thunderstorms. The raindrops are big, and you know it when it's raining. And it rained at both services. It, this one was the second night. Uh, the lady to the far left there, when we came in, she was at the altar praying. The other lady in the middle with her hands raised was also praying. And, and the first service we went to, I walked in, and there were men praying to the side, um, you know, on their knees by their, by their chairs. Um, their worship is serious, their worship is intense, their prayers are intense. Um, they, James got some interaction that he doesn't normally get uh, on a typical ser- uh, Sunday as far as when he, would, when, he would, um, when he would hit a point and they knew. You knew if your point landed. If they got it and agreed with it, you knew it. And, um, and it was... It, it was huh? Tell them about the horn. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a horn <laughs> at this church. The guy, guy in the back, they call us up. So, so when you show up to church there, and and those of you who have been on mission church, they they honor you when you go. I mean, it, it they are glad that we're there. Uh, again, I, I'm it's humbling. Um, and so you come in, and they've got a special seat for you, and it's in the front. Um, and you're going to be called on at any moment to come up front. And or and and do do something. I mean, all, all bets are off. You're you got to be ready. And so they called us up to speak and to say something. When we walked up, they were clapping like like loud clapping. And a guy had a horn in the back, and he's blowing his horn. And so they made the mistake of giving me the microphone. And I said, I have never had anybody blow a horn when I walked up. And so I would like you to blow that again, please. <laughs> and so he blew the horn happily. And I was like, that is, I didn't know that was a bucket list item, but it was <laughs> when I realized. And so that has happened. Um, and that was really, really fun. There's a joy there. Um, there's a, they're, they're serious about church. They're serious about the gospel um, and they are um, open-handed. They they love when when we are there. Um, and and again, that's just humbling. And I enjoyed it uh, immensely. I don't normally enjoy church services that last longer than an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. My I, my ADD kicks in, or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, Americanism or whatever. Um, but there, it. it you're you're just there and it's fun and so those that have been on trips before john phil others um they um they can tell you that um that their church services are really powerful and so that was fun yeah i I love that one of the questions that i i love asking people when they come come back is uh why did you go 
you know, it, it seems a lot of times easier to stay and to not go. And so, um, you know, I'd be interested to hear from you guys. Why, why did you make the decision to go? Well, it started uh, a year ago when, uh, you know, COVID arrived a year and a half ago or so. Anna and I were supposed to go um, to Honduras with the church. And so that sort of planted the seed about Honduras. And honestly, I invited myself on this trip. Uh, so if you ever feel an inkling to go, you know, somewhere with the church and you haven't been invited, I just want to let you know that just <laughs> invite yourself because it works. Um, <laughs> And uh, I wanted to simply observe, you know, these, these two guys. I knew they'd be working with pastors and so forth. I wanted to stand on the sidelines, be their caddy, carry their bag or something like that. But that was the initial reason. But more than that, uh, over a decade ago, sitting in a New Testament class, um, one of my professors that I had several times, his name's uh, Robert Yarborough. He was a professor of New Testament, and he would come back um, after our summer break uh, a couple of different times and talk about his trips to Sudan, working with pastors there. And that created a vision for me in my mind of, gee, one day that would be so awesome to be able to go somewhere where there's a need, uh, people who don't have the same resources that are at my fingertips to be able to give back in that way. And so that vision um, you know, began a long time ago. And so that was the other reason, you know, when I s understood that we would be working with primarily pastors, um, some of that began to take shape for me. And, uh, you know, the motivation to be there and then begin to think maybe beyond where something like this could go. But that's how I would sum it up. Yeah, that's neat. Billy, what would you, what would you say? Um, that's a good question. I have a few notes that I want to read. Just, again, um, I'm tired, so I don't want to miss it. Um, last Sunday, I talked about communicating with God, telling him what I want, and asking what's in it for me. Um, God has begun to answer this about missions for me. Um, and because I got the sense that he wanted that, that there's a biblical command to go. Somebody's got to go. I mean, it's good to give, and, that, and, and that's vital. Um, but it's also good to go. And um, God has begun to answer this about Honduras and other mission-focused activities that I do. Um, and because he's in the process of making his desires my desires and his joy my joy, I go ultimately because I wanted to. Um, and I wanted to just provide some context to that because I don't mean that to be uh, anything other than um, I found out we weren't going as a church. I asked Melvin, is anybody going? And he said, yes, others are coming. And I said, can I come? And he said, yes. And I said, uh, James, you want to go? And he said, yes. So I said, Melvin, can James come too? And he said, yes. And then uh, Tom stuck his foot in the door and said, can I go? And I asked Melvin, and he said, yes. He said, tell me when. We've circled some dates. He said, I'll have... Um, a group of young leaders on day one, you'll go to church at the night. I'll have a group of church pastors on day two. You'll go to church at night. Um, we'll go to the orphanage, and you'll be exhausted, but you'll love it. And so we said, okay, so we did it. And it was uh, probably 90 days ago. It, was, it didn't exist, and it, it kind of came to fruition. And one thing that I've, I'm beginning to learn 
is that regarding missions, the door to entry is not an automatic open, opening door. You know, you go to certain places like the mall or other places, you go stand on a mat and the door will open for you. Um, and if it doesn't work, I don't know if you're like me, I tend to just stand there and kind of wait for it to work. Like somebody's going to come either fix the door, open the door, but my job is to stand here because I'm on the mat and I stand here until the door opens. Um, I get the sense that, that for missions, those who push the door open, the door opens. It's a manually opening door. Um, that uh, if I wait for the door to open, which I used to do when I first began being called, thinking about going, I would kind of wait for Melvin to invite me or CIN to invite me or Tom Doyle to invite me. And they occasionally would. Um, but then I would find out that other people are going. And I was like, what? What? I'm one of, what list are they on? What do I have to do to get on that list? Why can't I go? I want to go. And they would say, uh, I remember asking Tom Doyle once. I said, can I go? He says, you want to go? And I was like, yes. Almost like, doesn't everybody? And he's going, no, not everybody. Do you want to go? Yes. Okay, I'll invite you. So that's what happened. I pushed the door open and go. And so when I... I began feeling this, I started um, a decade or so ago ordering my life in such a way as to hopefully be able to go. I didn't want to work in a job where I couldn't go. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to tie myself down to where going became uh, something that required me to jump a bunch of hoops. So I have a, a, a job where I can have the flexibility to go, I have the ability to go, so I feel the need to go. Um, my wife will tell you I need to go. Um, she'll tell you that they're, that going for me is good. It's good to get out. And she says, have a blast and, and, but go. <laughs> so, um, there, there are important things related to that, that are good for, that impact every other relationship I have. And so I ultimately go because that's what I want to do. And I, and I'm blown away. I am blown. I, if you get to know Melvin, this, this is a man who, who prays like Paul would pray or the, 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 this is a guy who gets up early and prays and prays and prays. This, this is a godly man who is very well connected. And when we go there, he is thrilled to have us there. I'm blown away by this. I'm blown away that God somehow has allowed me to have a purpose to go because I didn't want to go to just get in the way. That's not what I want to do. But I'm finding out that that if we have a heart for missions and we open that door, God will make sure that that we can go. And the most important thing is I come back to what's in it for me. What's in it for me is that I sit here right here today, and I, I, I feel my cup is overflowing. And I don't know how that happens. I didn't, I didn't say, okay, on this trip, it better be overflowing. I didn't do that. I just went, and I am a satisfied person today. And... Um, we're all craving satisfaction. We're ordering our life and doing things to satisfy our cravings. And I'm telling you that whenever we obey and go or do whatever God has put on our heart, satisfaction will come. And I'm living proof of that. And so that's some of why I went. Sorry if that was too much. No, I, I love that. I, I, was, I love that metaphor, Tom. I was just thinking as you were talking uh, of of a door. I, I remember one time I needed to pick up something at the barn and uh, Tommy told me where it was and he's like, you need to go to this door. And so I went to that door 
and I, and I kind of pushed on the handle a little bit, and it didn't open. And so I was like, what? I mean, it's locked. That's kind of a bummer. And so I think I, I, think I called Tommy, and I said, Tommy, I said, it's, it's locked. And he goes, no, it's not. You just got to push on it. And so I was like, okay. And so I went and pushed on the door, and sure enough, it opened. And so Tom uh, pushed on the door, and it opened. And, and Billy pushed on the door, and it opened. And I think it's wise for us as followers of Jesus uh, to push on some doors and see if they open. Um, it's unfair to ask this question because we just got back like 17 minutes ago, or it feels like it, but if you were to share one or two reflections after spending a week there, uh, what is something that God taught you, something that you'll remember, uh, something that he stirred in your heart, uh, any, anything that comes to mind? One thing for sure that, that stood out to me is that humble circumstances um, are not the worst thing in life. Because at least for, I think, a lot of these folks, it has driven them to worship the living God in a very genuine way. Um, so, I mean, these, these, are, these are people, many of which who live in homes without, you know, a floor, carpet or concrete, um, without the doors and windows and so forth. But yet the level of gratitude was as high as I've ever seen it. And the level of happiness and joy, all of that. So uh, humble circumstances does not equate to, you know, bad things. You know, it, it can actually drive you toward God. That stands out, but also the need that's there too. Uh, these pastors, you know, with it, when we were with the young people or with the older uh, pastors the second day, these, these are people with just like the, the capacity for knowledge, wisdom, discernment, um, intelligence. It's all, I mean, we're, we're the same. I mean, these are smart people, thinking people. Um, and, you know, to think that one, on one hand, you know, one day in eternity we will worship with these people for the you know, <laughs> rest of eternity. Um, but yet, there's still a need. We, we have a lot at our fingertips. Um, so pushing the door open, looking for ways uh, to help support, uh, bring relief, and so forth, I think is super important. I know for me, I'll be, you know, thinking more and more about how uh, we can do more of what we just did. Yeah, that's a good word. Billy, what would you, what would you share? Um, I would say what I say every time I go, that um, we did not take the gospel to Honduras. Jesus is already there, which is a really great revelation, good to know. Um, and, and we're not there to rescue anyone. We're there to serve. And they are um, immensely honoring uh, in how they treat us. The other thing I was struck with is that there's so much opportunity to grow and teach and invest in the next generation. There's a lot there. Um, there's so much to do. It's like if you're an investor and you're thinking about uh, investing in something that's already essentially built, your, your return on investment is going to be at a certain level. But if you invest in something where nothing's there yet, your return on investment can be infinitely larger or maybe not infinitely, but, but significantly larger. And so I'm not, this is not exclusive because I, I believe we're called to go, uh, we're going to Jordan later, but um, 
But I, I just look at this and I go, it's a place that, that uh, there's a lot of opportunity. And there, there are some leaders there who are hungry for what God has. And, and they love the partnership with us. And so Melvin wanted me to make sure to send his greetings and his love to all of you. You're being prayed for by people in Honduras. And trust me, that is a good thing. Those prayers get answered. Um, and so be encouraged that God is on the move, um, and this is just a reminder. And it, it feels like I'm starting all over again because we didn't go for a year and a half. And so I, I feel this, yeah, it, it was just a really, really good trip. Yeah, thanks, Billy. I, uh, just, what about you, James? What did you learn? Uh, that's a great segue, Billy. Thank you. I actually wrote down some thoughts. Uh, <laughs> uh, Billy shared... Uh, passage, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, at one of the pastor's conferences, and he, and he just said it in passing, but it, it stuck with me. I know I haven't told you this, Billy, but uh, Matthew 9, uh, 35 through 37, uh, I'm going to read it to you, and I just want to share a couple things, and then I'll pray for us. Uh, it says, and when Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, uh, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction... When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, then he said to his disciples, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Uh, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, one of the thoughts that I had when I was there, it's a thought that I have every time that I go, is that uh, the, the needs uh, in that place are significant. Right? They're significant. There is uh, very tangible things that, that families, that people, that pastors need, a, a front door uh, to your house. Uh, that's a significant need. Uh, when you go around and look in the, in the villages and see the conditions, um, there are needs all around you. There's, there's physical needs. There are emotional needs. Uh, years ago, I asked a group of pastors, I told them, we, you know, we talk in the States a lot about the American dream, you know, three-bedroom three house, white picket fence, Labrador retriever. I'm like, what is, what is the Honduran dream? And someone said to me, to leave. In other words, like, our dream is to get out of here um, because the needs there are significant. There are physical needs, there's emotional needs, there are spiritual needs, like any other place on the planet uh, because people are people, right? We are created in the image of God, but we're, we're born into sin. And so there are deep uh, spiritual needs that they have. And it can feel at times um, in, incredibly overwhelming. Like, I don't know if you've ever walked into a place before or walked into a space before and thought, like, where do I begin? Um, you feel that. I feel that when I go there. Uh, and uh, simultaneously, um, oftentimes God fills my heart with hope uh, because I see the people that he has raised up. I see the people whose hearts he has stirred uh, to meet those needs in the community. Like we, we run around with a guy like Melvin who is, is just a godly dude. Like he is a godly man. He is the, the kind of guy that, um, that you just naturally gravitate toward because you go, man, I feel like he's been with the Lord and you want his life to rub off on yours. 
uh, you meet a pastor like Javier who is in this community and, and telling us stories about how he wants to go to Vietnam with the gospel. You see how God has stirred in his heart a, a longing and a passion um, uh, to, to go into the nations with the life-transforming good news of the gospel. Um, I think about a guy like Ricardo, whose uh, church we went to that second day. Five years ago when we went to his church, it was just a cement floor. And now there are two stories and people come and gather uh, and, and worship. And I'm just blown away by the goodness of God. Um, for, for God to know the needs in a place, to know the needs in a community, and for the Lord very tangibly and practically to go, hey, <laughs> I know, I know, and I've got this. I'm stirring the hearts of my people to go and to move. And so I'm, I'm reminded of the great needs. I'm reminded of how God uh, meets those needs. And, <laughs> man, I'm blown away um, by God's brilliant idea of the local church. Like he dreamed up the local church to take the gospel to the world. And every time I leave and I see the local church in action, I just praise God uh, for his grand idea. Like I love the local church. I am a, I'm a churchman, right? I, like I'm passionate about the local church. When I leave, I think about my growing affection for this place uh, and for you. People there um, have a love and a passion for the church. Uh, when I was there, I was reminded of uh, Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 100, uh, 122, I think I wrote it down, 122 verse 1, that says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Like, I was, like they would sing this as they, as they went to the temple. And there was like this joy that like we, we are going uh, to meet as a called out people. We are going to meet with the God of the universe. And I, I, when, when you see that, it's just so humbling and you're blown away by it. Um, in L.A., they, they talk about the crowds that go to the sporting events at L.A. And they say that uh, in, in L.A., there's a certain type of fan. They're a late arriving fan um, because they have options. Like when, when you watch uh, a Lakers game in the first five, ten minutes of the first quarter, you'll see a sparse group. Um, and the reason they say that is because people have options in California. Like, it's beautiful, and there's lots of things to do. And, um, and it seems like when you go to a place like Honduras, literally is my last microphone. Like, if this one goes, I'm done. Um, I, I think when you, when you go to a place like Honduras, you hey, Tom, can you hold this? When you go to a place like Honduras, it, it almost feels as if like, they're like, our option is the local church. Right? And so we, we come and we gather, and I see that, and I'm like, God, stir in us a desire and a passion to, like, to function in such a way. Where, where this, like even the Sunday morning experience, where you're going, man, I'm glad. I'm glad to go to the house of the Lord. Like, I, I long for this time. I don't know, if, know what God has, has done in my, in my heart, but I, I love this place. Uh, and I love this place because I love you. I love the, the people. Uh, I always tell people that in, in the Christian life, there are no special forces. Um, it, it's not that God just chose a couple of people to, to do the work and everyone else watches. I feel like he's invited us to be a part of what's going on in the world. But when I look at this place and I, and I think about uh, who we are and, and our little outpost, I think, 
I don't believe that God calls um, people to be like the special forces, but I feel like you all are uh, the special forces. Like he's called us, he's gathered us, uh, and he's called us to be scattered, gathered to scattered. And so we come and we receive the word and then, and then we go. And I see that uh, in action in, in Honduras and I am, am I'm absolutely uh, blown away. I, I love this place. I love being able to, uh, to minister with Tom and to, and to minister with Billy and to see how God has given them a voice and how, they, how he has gifted them uh, uniquely. And it's so fun to watch um, people use the gifts that God's given to them uh, to, to advance the gospel. Uh, there's a verse in First uh, Corinthians, uh, what is it? First Corinthians chapter chapter twelve that says those uh, those members of the body that seem weaker are actually indispensable. Indispensable means absolutely necessary. So if you are a part of this church family, uh, you are absolutely necessary. You are absolutely necessary. You don't need a you don't need a title. Uh, you don't need to be recognized in front of the crowd. Uh, but, but you are absolutely necessary to the body of Christ. So um, what, a, what a beautiful time, just super humbling for, for us to be able to, to go. We tell people all the time that when it comes to missions, God gives us two options. Uh, you can go uh, or you can send. You can go or you can send. And, um, and I'm grateful that God invites us to be, to be a part of that and gives us the opportunity to do it. Uh, let me pray for us, uh, and then we'll worship together. Uh, God, thank you so much for uh, the good work that you're doing around the world. You are a, a global God, and you are uh, calling uh, people from every uh, tr- uh, tribe and tongue and nation uh, to be worshipers of your son, Jesus. Uh, someone once said that missions exist because worship does not And so thank you, Lord, that you have opened our eyes uh, to the beauty of your son, Jesus, and you invite us uh, to be worshipers of the only one who will truly satisfy our deepest longings and desires. Thank you for the good work that you are doing in Honduras. Thank you for uh, godly men like like Melvin and Javier and uh, Ricardo Ricardo and Noe and uh, those that you have called and those that you have equipped uh, to advance the gospel. God, we are so grateful Uh, that all of us here this morning have an opportunity to share in that. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, for loving us first. Thanks for uh, for opening the door for us uh, to go and for our church family and and sending. And Lord, I'm I'm just so grateful and give you thanks. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.